We began a couple of weeks ago to look at how we have a healthy lifestyle. When you just to think this week, think back over the last week, what was the best day of last week for you? All right, there's no correct answer to this. Don't just say Monday because Mondays are always the best day. For you, what was the best day of the week and why? Why was it so good? For me, probably it was Friday. Friday, I, uh, I went to the gym. Normally, that doesn't make for a good day, but it, it was good. I went to the gym. I got on the treadmill. I hadn't ran, been to the gym for a long time. Ran five kilometers, cycled. Where else did I do? I rode a bit. I, uh, I swam, pulled some weights, and then went into the steam room and fell asleep. And uh, got a bit hot, came out, nice long shower, beautiful. Felt really good. Then I went home, and then we met up with a couple of friends, and uh, went, went out in the evening, went out for a nice Indian meal, went out to the theater in central London. All going really well. It was a really nice day. There was only one downside to the day. When uh, we went with the, the wife, and we met the husband, and uh, when the husband and the wife met, they gave one another an embrace, and I said to the guy, well, where's my kiss? And he said to me, you have to be way more beautiful to get a kiss from me. And that, that went deep, as you can tell, uh, within me. But apart from that, the day was really good. It was a good day. I don't think I'm that bad. I went home and looked in the mirror and I went, oh. Depends on how you measure a good day, doesn't it? And I came back at the end of that day and I got into bed and I went, you know what? I've enjoyed today. It's a nice day off for me. It was good. But in the Bible, as we said, God said, Jesus said, this is how we should measure a day off. Matthew 22, 37 to 39. Remember this? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And then love your neighbor as yourself. That's how you assess how good a day has really been from God's perspective. You can go to the gym, you can go out for a meal, you can meet up with friends, you can go to the theater, you can have a really good day. But at the end of the day, Jesus says, how well did you love the Lord? And how well did you love your neighbor and yourself? Those are the measures that we should use every day as to whether it's been really a fruitful day, a good day from God's perspective or not. You can go through a really tough day and be exhausted, but if you use these criteria, you know what? Lord, I loved you today through all that hardship. And you know what? You gave me opportunities to love my neighbor and to flow through me. That's how God says we are to, to assess our day. But the question is, well, how, how do we grow in this so that we can love God more, that we can love our neighbor more, and even love ourselves more than we already do. And we said we're going to look together at a passage from the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. If you've got your Bibles, turn there. Colossians 3. And we're going to spend the next number of weeks and months looking in detail at this passage. Because this is how we 
prepare ourselves, how we align ourselves with God so that God can flow through us and, and we can demonstrate that our love for God and our love for our neighbor and ourselves. It says this, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its, old, with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. There is so much in that passage from the book of Colossians. And so we're going to unpack it over the next number of weeks. But the first thing we want to look at today is compassion. Compassion. In chapter 3, verse 12, it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion. Clothe yourself with compassion. In other words, it says you need, to, you need to wear compassion. When you got up this morning, how many of you still have your pajamas on underneath? None of you. You take them off and you look and you think, now, I'm going to clothe myself because I'm not going to walk to church naked. That would just be embarrassing. I'm going to put something on to clothe myself and I'm going to choose what I'm going to wear today. If you're a guy, it's whatever's clean. You know, and, and available and to hand, that'll do. So we stick it on, right? And in the same way, it says, you know what? You need to put on, clothe yourself like a coat when you're going outside or a hat. Put on compassion. That's what the word says. These are the things that we need to add on to ourselves, put into ourselves. But what is compassion? What's compassion? How would you define compassion? What is it? Over to you, in case you were wondering. What is compassion? 
If I'm compassionate towards Mike, what does that mean? Sympathizing with him, like putting myself in his place, like that. Okay? Being thoughtful. Okay? Well, compassion, it has two parts to it. The first part is this. Compassion is what we just said. It's the ability to feel what another person feels. So if, if my care is, is, is suffering, then I feel his suffering. If he's struggling, I feel his struggle. That's what compassion is. That's part of it. So I, I put my, and it's an emotional response. It's not just knowing that he's suffering, it's, it's feeling it alongside him. It's, it's getting alongside and saying, I'm going to feel the same way that he does towards whatever the struggle is. But there's a second part, that's empathy. The second part to compassion is this. It's actually feeling motivated to do something about his suffering. So I, I get alongside him, but then I try and do something to help. Now let me show you an example. In the Bible... In Mark chapter 1, Jesus did this. It says, a man with leprosy, skin disease, came to Jesus and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man saying, I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. This is a great example of compassion. So you, you picture this guy. There's this guy that runs up and he says, Jesus, Jesus, help me, help me, I've got leprosy, right? So he, Jesus, what, he then knows the situation that the guy's in. He knows the trouble that the guy's in. The guy explains it to him. And what does Jesus do? Go, oh, there, there. It'll be all right. Don't worry about it. I'm sure it'll be okay. No, he doesn't say that. He doesn't either say, well, it's probably your own fault, stupid idiot. What have you been up to? Well, how did you go and catch leprosy? What were you been doing that made you get leprosy? It's probably something. Or maybe it's not your fault, but it's your parents' fault or your grandparents' fault. Do you have a dodgy, dodgy lineage where you come from? He didn't do that either. What does it say? Jesus was what? Filled with compassion. So what did Jesus do? He hears the need because the guy comes to him and says, this is the need. Then Jesus puts himself in the place of that guy. He says, I wonder what it's like to feel like that. I wonder, let me, let me on a heart level experience what he's experiencing, right? And out of that, then what happens next? Jesus reaches out his hand and he touches him and he says, be clean. Jesus uses the resources that he has to alleviate the suffering and the struggle in this other person. And then the guy goes away clean. That's compassion. That's compassion. You see a need, you hear about a need, you, you connect your heart to the person or the situation where there's struggle and there's suffering. And then you bring the resources that you have to bear to alleviate that. And then you walk together into the future. That's what 
compassion is all about. But why, why do we have to be compassionate? Well, firstly, because we serve a compassionate God. In Psalm 86, it says this. There are many, many Psalms and many, many passages in the Bible that talks about the compassionate God. Psalm 86, verse 15. But you, O Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God. You're slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Many, many times in the Psalms, you'll see the word compassion to describe who God is. We serve a God who is compassionate, not a God that is removed, not a God that doesn't suffer as we suffer, not a God that doesn't feel what we feel, but we serve a God who is compassionate, who, who comes alongside us and feels what we feel and recognizes our struggles and our weaknesses. But also we see that most in Jesus, don't we? We follow a compassionate Christ. Jesus constantly, if you read the Gospels, he was filled with compassion. Over and over and over again, it says. He sees a situation, he meets a person, and he's filled with compassion in his heart. And then he responds. We follow a Christ who is compassionate towards people and towards you and me. But thirdly, why be compassionate? Because we're commanded to be people of compassion. Clothe yourself with compassion. Can put it more simply. Put it on. Put on that coat or that hat of compassion. Every time you go out the door, every time you wake up, dress yourself with compassion. Put it into your lifestyle. Put it into your day. That's who we are to be. In 1 John 3.17, it says, If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity or compassion on them, how can the love of God be in them? It goes back to that Matthew 22, the greatest command. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, mind. And what? Connect to God and connect to your neighbor as yourself. And remember what we did last time. You've got the Trinity there. You're the connection. You're the channel by which the compassion of God flows through you and into others. That the love of God, the power of God, the presence of God flows through you and into others. So if you see a brother or sister in need and you have no compassion, you don't let the presence of God flow through you, it's saying you really have the presence of God? How can the love of God be in you if you don't let it flow? How can, you, how can you say that you are a channel of the Spirit of God if you don't let the Spirit of God flow through you into the situations and the, the struggles? Can you tell one time where Jesus said to anybody, no, I'm not going to do that. I, I see your problem, but... I'm tired. No, you're not worth it. You see that in the Bible anywhere? No. What you see is Jesus being that channel, connecting to his Father and allowing the Spirit of God to flow through him and into others, showing compassion everywhere he went. And that is what you and me are to be, people of compassion, channels of God's Spirit.
So how, how do I clothe myself with compassion? It's not so easy just to get up and put on a hat and say, now I'm compassionate, is it? It's, it's difficult. First thing we have to do is we have to recognize two things. Firstly, that compassion can be learned. This is something that you grow in. Often I hear people saying, well, you know what, I'm, I'm not that compassionate really. I just don't have it within me. It's not me. You know, I'm more, I'm more the standoff type. I'm, I'm just, you know. I have other gifts and abilities, but compassion is not me. That's rubbish. That's absolute rubbish. Compassion is something you learn. You, you didn't sit there as a little kid and when you see a little baby going, well, you know, walking's not really my thing. I don't really walk. No. Every kid gets up and tries to walk. Why? Because it's innate with them. Because there's things that they like that are slightly out of their grasp sitting on their backside. So they have to learn to stand up so they can grab things. And as parents, we move things gradually up the wall so that they can't reach them. You know, until when you've got young enough kids, you have like shelves at eight foot up so that no kid can touch all the stuff that will break up there. Compassion can be learned, but to, to learn it, we have to stop long enough. How many of you are list kind of people? Do you make lists either in your head or you write them down? You know, there's five things I've got to do today. You know, I should have done them yesterday, but yesterday just went pear-shaped. Didn't get any single one done yesterday. Today is the day. You know, we sing that. Today is the day you have made, and this is the day I'm going to get my five things done. Today's the day. I've got this window. Now I've got to do it. Now the problem with that is, What? That often there are needs around you, but you don't stop long enough to see them. Because you're so focused on getting your five things done. You know the difference with Jesus? He had time for people, didn't he? As he went around, people came and interrupted his day. But he didn't stress about it. He just went, you know what? i got time for people. So sometimes we have to stop and we have to listen. We have to recognize that God is bringing people into our lives, that he wants us to be that channel of compassion. And maybe you won't get the five things done that you should have got done yesterday, today. But if you're using that criteria to love God and love your neighbor as a successful day over the five things, then maybe it's better to stop and allowed God to flow through you than it is to get all five of those done. Sometimes we have to stop and we just have to be available. Look around us. Sometimes, you see, opportunities for compassion is not when somebody just comes to us like that guy with leprosy, going, Jesus, stop, 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 help me. Sometimes it's us seeing in others struggles. That they don't necessarily verbalize all the time, and, but we see it. And therefore, God wants us to lays it on our hearts to do something. Stop for a moment. Second thing is this. You need to focus. You need to think about the other person who is struggling. If your head is still on those five things, what's going to happen? 
where you're not really going to stop long enough to, to feel, to experience. You need to focus on them, you know. Shane's struggling. Now I need to stop the busyness of my day, but I then need to focus on him and on his struggle. It's got nothing to do with me now. It's about me connecting with him where he is at. And that's, that's the priority. Focus on the other person, the one who needs the compassion. And thirdly, understand and feel the seriousness of the situation. Respond to the emotion and not to the words. Now, this is especially prevalent for men. I'll tell you why. Men like to fix things generally, right? If you're married, you know what I'm talking about. You like to fix things. You, you try and think of solutions to the problems. And there are many people like that. Generally, it's men. That's a generalization. But what the issue is, is not the struggle itself right now. You need to listen to the emotion and connect with the person. It took me a long time in marriage to learn this. I'm still learning it. My wife comes to me and she starts telling me things, right? And what happens? My brain immediately goes into, how can I fix this problem? Get it out of the way. She doesn't want the problem fixed by me. What she wants is for me just to be quiet enough to listen and empathize with where she's at. You recognize that as a guy? Am I the only one? Yes, I am. No, I didn't think so. You have to not listen to the words and start thinking about your response and about how what I can say and how I can fix this. You need to do this, 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 and this, and then you're sorted. That's not empathy. That's not compassion. Compassion is coming alongside and sitting down and saying, let me, let me hear your heart. Let me really listen to the pain and the struggle and the frustration. Let me try and understand you. It's not about answers right now. It's about understanding. Do you understand the difference? You see what I'm saying? When Jesus was filled with compassion... And many got alongside that guy. Think for a minute. What would it be like to have a really bad skin disease in those days? What would it be like? When that guy with leprosy came to Jesus, what was it like for him? Well, he was a social outcast. Most people that he would come to would run away because why? Well, one, leprosy was, it was a punishment by God. He, he must have done something, or if he didn't do it, his parents were really bad, or his grandparents were really bad. And they visited, the punishment of God was visited upon him. Thirdly, people would run away. Why? Because I, I'm not going to catch your leprosy, thank you very much. I don't want to get it. Fourth, people with leprosy, they shouldn't even be coming near anyway. They were supposed to say, unclean, 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 keep away from me. 
What's this guy doing running up to me? That's not allowed. Does he not know who I am? I'm a rabbi. I've got status and position. I can't be seen with people like that. So the guy was breaking conventions. He was so desperate. When you have leprosy, what's it like? You're alone. The only other friends you will have will be other friends with leprosy. They're probably not the kind of people you want to hang out with. You'd be kicked out of your family if you were married. You were sent outside. You couldn't go worship. You couldn't go to the market. You couldn't go to the shops. You can't go to the cinema or a restaurant. You're all alone. And you have this big label around you. And everybody can see it. What's it like to have leprosy? And what else? Well, then you start seeing and f losing feeling in your hands, in your feet, if it's leprosy. When I was younger, I worked in a, when I was in Africa, we, we worked in a leprosy camp. I saw a guy that took a live coal out of a fire, burning hot, lifted it with his fingers, stuck it in another fire to get the second fire going. I could smell the burning flesh on his fingers. He couldn't feel a thing. That's why there's so many injuries with leprosy. You just can't feel anything. I could touch you, but I can't feel anything. What's it like to have leprosy? You see, it's easy to say that there was a leper. But when you actually stop long enough and start thinking, feeling about what it might be like, then it's completely different, isn't it? It's easy to say somebody's got a, a, a situation, a problem. But if I stop long enough and I, and I just quiet and I switch off my head that's looking for solutions, and I start saying, you know, what's it really like to be in their shoes right now? What must they be thinking and feeling? That's when compassion starts to come. Understand and feel the seriousness of their situation. Fourth thing is this. You have to believe that the troubles are not self-inflicted. Let me ask you a question. How much compassion do you have towards Donald Trump? On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being by weeping for him. 1 being, hands up ones. Why? He doesn't show much compassion to other people. Not sure his policies are the greatest policies this world has ever seen. What about Theresa May? Maybe two, can't put her on the same level as Donald Trump, but you know. Why? Well, maybe she, I don't think she's doing a very good job. Maybe she is. But she asked for it. She didn't have to become prime minister, did she? She elected, she went forward, she said, I'll do this. But if you start believing that their problems are inflicted on themselves, what happens? 
you have no compassion. You see, if I if I start saying, you know, well, Mike, Mike's problems come because Mike's made some foolish decisions. That's why he's in this mess. I can't do that. I, you can't sit in judgment and have compassion. It's impossible. And even if he has made the mess, if I have that kind of attitude in my heart, then I won't have compassion. I can't, be, I can't love the Lord your God and love my neighbor because I'm sitting in judgment. And that's not my role. So you have to get out of your head that spirit that judges others. Because we do it all the time, don't we? Every one of you has got an opinion of Donald Trump, I'm sure. Every one of you have got an opinion on the government, Theresa May, Jeremy Corbyn, all these people. Every one of us. You've all got an opinion of me. You've probably got an opinion of one another. When you shake hands at the beginning of the service and you go around and you say, hi, it's nice to see you, you're forming opinions. What kind of hat is that today? Hmm. Right? Oh, they forgot. <laughs> right? You can't sit in judgment and be compassionate. So just be careful in your own heart. And where that judgment starts to kick in, where you start thinking, well, maybe it was their own fault they're in this mess, you have to say, get away from me. Jesus had compassion. Now, whose fault was most of the situations he ministered to? Ours. But he still had compassion to serve. The fifth thing you've got to do is you picture yourself in their shoes. You put yourself where they are. Let me immerse myself. I feel what they feel now. I'm not going to judge them. I'm going to just put myself where they are. What would it be like if I was in that place? How could I respond if I was there facing a similar situation? What would I do? How could I help? And then sixth, you respond with the resources within your possession. For Jesus, that many touched the guy and the power that came from God flowed through him and brought healing and wholeness. For the rest of us, it's we do things that we have. If you have material possessions and see a brother or sister in need, have compassion on them and allow God to use what he's given to you to meet their needs. That's when compassion starts to flow. When we take from the resources that God has given to us and we say, you know what I can do? Let, how, how would it be if I did this? What do you think if I was to, to, to do this with you? Not for you, but with you as I stand alongside. What do you think? And we bring the resources that we have to respond appropriately into those situations. Then what we do is we open up the presence of God and we become channels of his compassion flowing into others. That's how we clothe ourselves. Now compassion, compassion takes energy. 
time commitment. Let me give you two illustrations. When I was preparing for the message today, always happens, doesn't it? I got to hear that a colleague of mine hurt himself at home, broke his arm. Another minister. I had a choice. I could ignore it. Just a colleague. It's not a really good friend. Just a colleague. Or I could write an email and I thought, I'll write a little email saying, oh, I'm so sorry I heard through the grapevine. He didn't tell me. I just heard via somebody else. Sorry that you hurt your arm and hope it gets better soon. Praying for you. God bless, David. And I thought I'd write that and send it off and just let him know that I'm praying for him. And I was praying for him. That was good. And God said to me, is that really compassion? You're talking about compassion? And I'm like, yeah, but God, I'm busy here. Like, I've got a busy week. Have you seen my diary, God? Have you seen my diary coming up? You know, I've got a wedding coming up in a couple of weeks. Big one, too. Whew. I've got lots to do. Things I've got to prepare. Other things I've got to do. I've got a busy week. And God said, that's not compassion. That's empathy, but not compassion. So I had to add the other line that says, and if there's anything I can do to help, like take the midweek communions and anything else I can do, let me know. And then I was about to send that off and God said, that's not enough. And I said, what do you mean that's not enough? He said, well, what about him? So I said, if there's anything I can do to help, either in ministry or personally, if you need shopping done or anything else, let me know. I'm here for you. Send it off. God said, mm-hmm, now you're learning. That's compassion. See, it's easy to do the empathy bit, isn't it? It doesn't cost me anything, really. A couple of seconds praying for the guy. But you know, if he responds, I'll edit this out of the podcast just in case he listens to it. You know, but if he responds, then I, then I have to use my week where I've got five other things I've got to do every single day. Because I've made a commitment. It's going to cost me. It's going to cause me a bit of hassle. But it means I can be a channel of God's compassion into his life. When he needs it the most. That's compassion. And that's what God calls you and me to be. People like that. People where others look at us. And see the compassion and the love of God. Flowing through, even when it's inconvenient, respond with the resources within your possession. And what are the results? Well, first, we walk in obedience to God. When we show compassion, we're pleasing God. We're connected to the vine, we're, we're growing fruit because we're walking in obedience and we're we're loving God and we're loving our neighbor and allowing God to flow through us to bring blessing and the touch of God into other people's lives. We're walking in obedience with him. Second thing is that others become happier, healthier. We become that channel whereby God's spirit can enter into them and bring help 
and, and hope and healing and wholeness into their lives. And they reap the benefits of connecting to the Father and the Son and the Spirit through you and me. But you know, we also receive the benefits too. You know, there's no greater joy when you're connected to the, to the Trinity and when you know the presence of God is flowing through you. You know what I'm talking about, those moments? Those moments where you know that God has used you in that situation to bring about change, to bring about a blessing into somebody else's life. It's an awesome experience. It's humbling and joyful and you want to shout it out all at the same time that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords would look at me and say, David, I'm going to use you in this situation to touch this other person, to bring my presence into this other person's life, to, to, to bring the Spirit of God into their situation. I'm going to use you. Isn't that amazing that God would choose us? I find that just blows my mind. And as he does that, then we receive some of the blessing as it flows through us. Fourth thing is that psychologists say it increases our immune system. It brings mental blessing to us as well. We get stronger in our mind. Apparently, they've done research that when people show compassion to others, your brain actually changes for the better. Could do with some of that. It, it releases things within your brain that makes you stronger, it makes you healthier, it makes you more able to cope with things. It helps us. They've also found research shows it releases stress. How many of you are stressed? You know, if you're stressed, they're saying one of the best ways to alleviate stress, show compassion to other people. One, it gets you off of yourself and off your problems. But it also helps, apparently, to relieve stress within us. It reduces our levels. And we feel better because we've helped someone else. And this is not Christian research doing this. This is non-Christian research that is showing, that is supporting what the Bible says all along. Be compassionate. Why? Because it will benefit you. It will benefit others. It will bring rewards into your life. And it reduces fear within us too. The fear of suffering, the fear of the future, the fear of the unknown. When we become channels of God's blessing, it changes us. It benefits us in so many different ways, as well as those to whom we connect. God says, be compassionate. Clothe yourself with compassion. Let me close by telling you another story. During the Second World War, a group of soldiers lost a friend who was shot by the enemy in France. And before their battalion moved out, they were stationed for a few days in one place. And they looked around for a place to bury their friend. And they came upon this little village with a churchyard and it had a graveyard around it. And they knocked on the door of the church. And the, the priest answered the door and they said, uh, a friend died, was shot, can we bury him in the graveyard? 
And the priest said, is he Catholic? And they said, well, no, he's not. He's a Protestant. And he said, I'm really sorry, but I can only allow to bury Catholics. This is a Catholic graveyard, Catholic cemetery. I can't bury him here. And the guys were distraught. And they said, well, what are we going to do? Like, we want to bury our friend. We don't want just him to just have a cross and nothing. And the priest thought for a minute and he said, well, I can't bury him inside the graveyard. But how about we go outside the stone wall and there we dig a grave and you can bury him right just outside. And so that's what they did. They went outside and they dug the hole and they put their friend in the hole and they buried him there, covered it over. And the priest said some prayers and they buried their friend. The soldiers went back to their battalion that was leaving the next day. And so the next morning they said, let's, let's just go back and pay one last respect to our friend before we move out and we have to go. And when they went back, they couldn't find the grave. They said, I'm sure it was here, right near this tree, but it's, it's not here anymore. And the ground was, was all just grass and it wasn't as though it had been dark at all and they couldn't figure it out and they were looking around and what's happened where where did we this is the right church i'm sure it's the right church where where's our where's our friend gone and so they went in finally and they knocked on the door again and the priest came out and they said what's happened to the grave and the priest said you know last night i couldn't sleep god kept speaking to me about the decision i made so he said, in the middle of the night, I just couldn't sleep anymore. I got up. And he said, I unpicked the wall stone by stone. And I moved the wall so that your friend's grave is now inside the cemetery and not outside. Throughout the night, he rebuilt that whole wall just so that that man could be inside where his friends had wanted him to be. That's compassion. Does it make much difference to the guy who died? No, probably not. But you know what? It made a big difference to those other soldiers. He was able to connect to God, listen to the voice of God, and connect to those men with their fallen friend, and bring the love of God into that terrible situation. I want you to close your eyes for a moment today. And I want you to think of one person, maybe Phil or Harry, can you play? Harry, you can play just quietly, thank you. Just think of one situation, one person today that needs compassion from you. One person that God lays on your heart right now. We can walk out of here and go, hey, that was a good sermon on compassion. Thank you for that. That's not what God wants. I know that within every single one of us, there is somebody that God wants us to connect to him and to our friend or this person he's laid on your heart. And Lord, I ask that whatever the situation is, you would help us this week. Firstly, to stop. 
and to make time so that we can bring and be a channel connecting this individual to you through us. And Lord, help us not to come with answers, but to feel, to really listen, to feel what they feel, to put ourselves in their place with no judgment, just recognizing where they are. And then, Lord, show us ways that we can use the resources that you've given to us to help, encourage, maybe even alleviate the situation they're in. May we be a channel of you, of the storehouses of heaven, into that person's life. Lord, show us who it is. What we're to do. And Lord, give us the time this week. Help us to make the time this week to be that connection. too if we need compassion from others if we need someone else to bear our burden give us the courage to reach out to say you know what to be like that guy with leprosy to come to someone we know who's connected to you and say I need help have mercy on me. Have compassion for me. I'm struggling. And may we receive from you, through them, everything that you want to give us.